Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson, the talk show that makes the connections between research, policies, and practitioners that are too often missing from the American education system. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. I am your host, Jonathan Jefferson. You can learn more about me at my show page on TalkZone.com. Today, we are going to discuss family and community involvement. And because this show is specific to education, we're going to really try to focus in on family and community involvement as it relates to schools. I hear it all the time. Too few parents are involved with their children's education, especially fathers. Is it because they depend on schools to wholly educate their children? Is it because both parents work or is single family households the main cause? Besides parents, what other individuals or community organizations should be engaged with our schools? My expert guest has devoted her career to these and other related issues. Angela M. Zimmerman is the coordinator of the Family Support Long Island Initiative at Malloy College. Prior to Malloy, she worked at the Nassau County Youth Board for over 27 years as the Director of Program Development and the Director of Development, Training, and Legislative Advocacy. Ms. Zimmerman has received numerous awards and certificates for her work and most recently was honored as one of the 2014 Education Partner Awardees through Nassau BOCES, among others. And BOCES is New York State's Board of Cooperative Educational Services. Angela holds a master's degree in public health and career and care administration, a bachelor's degree in social work and numerous certificates in personal coaching, leadership training, fund development, evidence-based training, curriculum, and family and community development. Angela, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jefferson. It's my honor to be with you today. Well, I greatly appreciate having you. Uh, I believe we met a week or so ago and, uh, just a passion for your, for the topic, uh, your passion is why I really thought you'd be a great guest for this show. Oh, thank you. All right. So, so let's start. Uh, describe Family Support Long Island at Malloy College. Well, Family Support Long Island is an initiative funded by the Hagedorn Foundation. And it was really funded not only to build competence and opportunities for collaborations, but to build public will and policy that really supports families, and particularly those families with children zero to three. Um, family support at Malloy is a real opportunity to kind of further the charism of Malloy, which is about contributing to the positive development of the community. And as we know, families are the core of the, of the community, and families are the first community in a child's life. So I'm really happy to be here and happy to be working with the broader community of Long Island, including school districts and not-for-profits and civic groups and faith-based entities. It's everything in the village that is really about building family and building community. Because we know when we have healthy families, we're building healthy communities. So the impetus behind Family Support Long Island really addresses a couple of questions. How do we work with higher education to prepare students that are working in any discipline, whether it's education, public health, social work, psychology, how are we preparing students with a mindfulness around this philosophy of family support and family engagement as they go into their careers? How do we work with 
organizations, particularly those organizations working zero to three, in terms of furthering this philosophy and practice of family engagement? And then three, how do we build policies that are really about this practice of support and equitable partnership with parents, families, and communities? So that's really kind of an overview of Family Support Long Island. It's based upon a report, actually, that was done uh, through the United Way Success by Six many years ago, uh, and it was uh, written by Dr. Sherry Radowitz, who is here at Malloy at this point. And what the report looked at was looking at how different sectors of the community interface with families and created recommendations for how we can really deepen that work. Because we know when families are more an active part of their agenda, they're going to be more accountable, they're going to be more invested, and we're going to get better outcomes, whether it's in education, public health, um, or health and human services. Now, Angela, you mentioned a uh, a focus on on birth to age three. Is that when you try to get parents involved specifically with the Malloy program? Well, we have a mindfulness around birth to three, but that's not where it ends. We know and recognize, and when you look at uh, Harvard Center for Developing Child, when you look at a number of reports, when we're able to create that mindfulness around zero to three, and then take that into youth and adolescence, we're creating a real healthy foundation that really begins in that family. And that's why to get back to school districts, and I had said this when I met with you all at the administrators meeting, your ability as a school district to look at that continuum from zero to three and K through 12, so and, and look at ways in which you're engaging families from the very young through adolescence is a real powerful opportunity that schools are in the in the position to further. Because when we talk about family engagement, it's not a random act. It's a continuous process of engagement. And in engaging folks, we have to recognize that they have something to offer. Excellent. And now Family Support Long Island, let's say you were involved with a school district or a school district called you in to support them. Is this a longitudinal uh, relationship? Do you actually stay with school districts and actually help those families from the time they, they initially engage Malloy College until kids are ready for college and careers? We have a real special relationship with the Uniondale School District uh, through the 21st Century Initiative because so much of the 21st Century Initiative is around building partnerships with community and families in terms of supporting children and young people. And so with Uniondale, we have a very special relationship, and what we are offering is a, uh, a set of professional development opportunities as well as a tool that we've developed through family support to really work with the school district on a longer-term basis in terms of looking at what they're doing well, and the district is doing a lot of things well in terms of engagement, but looking at what they're doing well and how they can deepen their work with family engagement from kindergarten to 12. So with the Uniondale School District, it's a little different than other school districts. We've worked with other school districts in collaboration with Nassau and Western Suffolk BOCES in the implementation of a tool. Uh, we recognize through family support part of the magic is not about how you engage families, but how you receive them and how you create a culture, a welcoming culture that will allow that 
family, those families, that community to imprint what you do in your agenda. And through Family Support Long Island, we recognize we needed a very tangible framework, something that we can put out there that would allow school districts and institutions to look at how they were engaging families, not from a deficit focus, but from an asset, asset focus. And we created the Family Support Long Island Organizational Reflection Tool, and it's meant to be done through conversation. So through this tool, organizations and school districts are able to look at four standards. One is how they're strengthening and engaging families. The second is how they're embracing diversity. The third is how they're building community. And the fourth is how families and communities are imprinting what they do. Because we know, and you know, Dr. Jefferson, when families feel like they're part of something, then they're going to be invested. And when they're invested, they're accountable. And when they're accountable, that's all about the foundation of building healthy families and healthy communities. Now, exactly when did uh, Malloy College start this program? Malloy started, uh, the Hagedorn Foundation funded this initiative beginning December of 2012. But as many know, um, through the work of the Hagedorn Foundation, their investment in children and families in, on Long Island, in New York State, and beyond really goes further. Um, they've invested a lot of energy and effort in um, really promoting the early years and really looking at those early years as a foundation for the healthy development of children, youth, and families. So this initiative was actually funded um, at Malloy College uh, in December of 2012. So we're just coming into our, almost into our third year. Well, one of the things that struck me, it struck me when I, when I first heard you say this at the meeting um, a week or so ago, but you, you just repeated the exact quote. It's not about how you engage families, but how you receive them. And this resonates with me because right now, uh, thanks to the influx of children from South America, um, districts, especially in our area, are being uh, forced to receive a lot of additional students. In fact, our neighboring school district gained 1,400 students over the summer. <laughs> so they went from just over 7,000 to over 8,000 students just over the summer, and they're now struggling with, with that. Uh, can you give an example or, or examples of, of how districts will, let's say, uh, engage families as opposed to how they receive them, how it would be better re- focusing on how they receive them? Yes, I, I would. And I use, um, in, in some of my discussions with folks, um, I use uh, Cotta's theory of change as a kind of a framework to look at that. Part of the how, how you receive people and how you really create a welcoming environment, first is recognizing that families have something to offer. You know, so often, whether it's in education or, you know, uh, health and human services, you know, we focus on a deficit mentality. You know, what's wrong? What is the level of eligibility that makes you, you know, what is wrong? And, and how do we treat that? And what we're talking about in terms of family support is really embedded in asset-based community development. First, recognizing that families have something to offer and families fundamentally care about their kids and want to be involved. 
And it's up to those systems to allow those opportunities and that active skill building for families to be involved. So part of it, the first step is getting the vision right. You know, when we talk about family engagement, it's, it's not about sending a flyer and, and you're engaging families. It's about really understanding what families have a passion for, what their interest is, where their competence is. It's about creating a sense of urgency um, where it's not only that you're talking the talk, but you're walking the walk, that families are actively and visibly involved in your site-based management teams, that you're, you're creating focus groups and opportunities for families to be heard in terms of your administration. It's communicating for buy-in. You know, so that, you know, when you're, when you're talking about family engagement, you're really giving them an opportunity to be involved. It's be, it's being able to create the right team. You know, there's a lot of people that may not, you know, when you think about the notion of empowerment, and in the middle of that word is power, part of family support is about equitable partnership and sharing power and responsibility. It's about looking at short-term wins and long-term vision. And I think for school districts, that could happen in so many ways, from how families are engaged in site-based management teams to how families have access to strategic planning in terms of the schools to how school districts are understanding the competence of families and how they factor that into what they do. It can be as simple as, you know, we've seen school districts and community agencies do survey, surveys because they want to do workshops with parents. Well, what about asking parents those talents as they offer and they can share with each other? So you're building mm. community. Excellent. Excellent. In fact, let's, let's continue in that vein after taking a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Educate on Talk Zone. Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Angela Zimmerman. Angela, just before the break, you had mentioned um, school districts, you know, giving surveys and, and how the surveys can include um, what the, the families can bring to the district. Um, let's continue in that vein. Share, share some more of how uh, we can uh, receive families well. Well, I think um, I had started the conversation with really a philosophy and an approach that's universal and something that is embraced by all staff in terms of the philosophy of family support and family empowerment, recognizing the gifts and talents and passions and interests and assets families bring to the table. And second is really looking at your infrastructure in terms of ways on a continuous basis that family family voice can be inserted not only into what you do but how you do what you do and very tangible roles, tangible and I'll say visible roles for families to be involved because it's it's about message and messenger. And um, so I was, I was really kind of talking about that, but I'd like to give another example. Um, there was a school district that I've worked with, and it was a school district that was having some challenges. And they knew that in order to address the challenges, they needed to create significant buy-in from the staff, from the students, from families. Mm. 
in order to create the environment that I think everybody wanted and an environment that is really conducive to learning. And one of the things that we were able to do was um, not through family support. This is a little bit before family support, but it's just another example from my portfolio. We were able to bring families and family members and, and young people and staff together and some representatives from the not-for-profit to really kind of talk about what their vision was and talk about what their assets were, what were the resources they had to offer, and how they could tangibly and mutually contribute to a vision. And what we did was um, we trained teams of young people and families to go and talk to each other in a framed conversation. And it was the difference between asking them what can be done to promote a healthy environment and what can you do. It's a very subtle difference, but a very big impact. You know, oftentimes it's not about asking families what can be done. It's, it's recognizes, recognizing families have something to contribute and asking them how they would like to be involved in what they have to offer. And that is really the foundation of family support and family engagement. It's looking at folks and communities from an asset lens as opposed to a deficit lens, and looking at how you mobilize those resources. When we talk about asset-based community development, which is, is so connected to the work we're doing through Family Support Long Island, we're talking about asset-based community development. It's what you do with what you got to get what you need. And it's really bringing people together. And family support is, um, as I mentioned earlier, and I speak a lot of this, it's really building a culture that not only invites families to the table, but welcomes them there. And that is not only your actions, but it's those structures that you create in the school environment that allow families to visibly have a place at the table and to allow them to imprint what you do and taking that word serious. Now, now when you mention that, you know, the structure. Uh, I'm not going to name a school district, but I'm sure this can apply to many school districts. Uh, oftentimes the structure, um, just of the school day, for example, uh, doesn't work for families where the teenagers especially need to work in order to help the, the, the family make ends meet. Therefore, they don't see the import of certain things that they're being assigned to do in school and, and certainly not the school schedule and what they have to do to support their family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so uh, w- am I understanding correctly that that would be an example of how the structure doesn't really um, welcome the family? In, in, in well, as as it, it, yeah, that's an example because I think that it's not only scheduling, but it's a philosophical receiving of it, you know. So it's you know, when when meetings and things are occurring at times when it's not accessible to families, yes, I would consider that not welcoming. So it's not only um offering those opportunities of engagement at times when people can access it, but um communicating with families in a way that, you know, you're really extending a genuine invitation um to families to get involved and to to really not only get involved but to offer something to the process. That's what I'm really talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a difference between, you know, it's a, it's real easy for many of us to say, you know, oh, this can be done, that can be done. It's much harder and much more affirming and much more impactful 
when we say this is what we have to offer. You know, because when you think about the whole notion of school, home, and community, our ability to come together in ways where we're able to offer what we got is really, really important. And I want to underscore, as we're talking about schools, the importance of neighborhood institutions, civic groups, faith-based, that really could could work in tandem with the school um, to really get the outcomes that we're talking about. Because part of and the essence of family support and family engagement is relationships and building those authentic relationships that have a genesis of trust. You know, because if people come come forward and don't feel welcomed or they lift their voice and it's not heard, they're not coming back. Mm. That is so true. And in fact, I had a guest on uh, some time ago on my show and we spent the entire time talking about the difference between um, a behavior consequence approach and a relationship ap- approach and how students, in particular uh, at-risk students, actually all students, responded much better to the relationship approach. You know, they, they would choose to do right because they don't want to harm the, the relationship they built with you as opposed to they're choosing to do the right thing because of a consequence that's supposedly going to correct their behavior. And, right. um, and I think that relates to what you're saying that is the, the, the relationship is a much stronger bond, um, in engaging people and making them feel welcome as it is in, in any household, even in, in any organization and household. That's right. You know, one of the things I had an amazing mentor, you know, there's, there's, there's a tremendous number of folks in education, health and human services, those daily heroes and heroes that make differences every day. And what she told me was, you know, people aren't going to remember what you give them, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm. And that's why when we talk about family support and family engagement, it's not something you pop in and out of a strategic plan. It's a process that begins with your philosophy and mission and how you approach families, but it's also a process that begins early on, you know, from in school districts from K through 12. And schools are uniquely positioned, and even with the UPK, and the um, increase in UPK opportunities and support. It's your ability to connect there and allow that to be a continuous agenda that is the real opportunity here. Because without that building of relationships and building of authentic relationships and really working with families through those developmental stages, then it's not going to be consistent. Now, have you had an opportunity to work in uh, rural areas? No, Family Support Long Island um, is um, focused on Long Island, New York, and you know we're over two million people, as you know, and um, there's there's just a lot of, of population density here. But mm-hmm. I've not worked outside of this area, although. The Hagedorn Foundation, in terms of their investments, go beyond Long Island. Family Support Long Island is specific to Long Island. Okay. And I only mention that because I don't know if it's just organic, but in I've, I've had the opportunity of growing up as a kid. I was a, a Queens kid, New York City kid, but I spent my summers uh, in St. Lawrence County up near Ontario. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and that's Amish country, you know, dairy, you know, dairy country. And the sense of community is and family is so much stronger naturally, it appears, just organically in, in those type of rural environments than it is in a city. In a city, you have <laughs> millions of people around you and you feel detached. Whereas when you're in a rural area where you have hundreds and hundreds of square miles around you, you feel part of something. And, and that's why when, when you mentioned, uh, um, how community groups and civic groups and everyone really needs to come together, there's some areas that do that almost, by, I don't know if it's need because you do need people when you're in rural areas mm-hmm. or, or, or if that model can be kind of woven into what we're trying to do in the cities and suburbs. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is. And I think that, you know, we have many, many communities on Long Island. It's a, it's a broad, Mosaic, seventy-seven languages, and mm. um, and real diversity, socioeconomically, ethnically, culturally, and I think you're so right about the notion of connectedness, because um, we're hardwired to connect. We were never intended to be alone, and our ability to connect. And when you're talking about family engagement, and family support, that fundamental parent-child relationship first. You know, family is the first community in a child's life. When we think about the notion of community as relationship, not geographic area, but our our relationship to one another beginning in those early years, that zero to three, how that child, that interface between that parent and child, and then how do you cultivate that in the broader community. That's where it begins. That's where that connectedness begins. And I think when you talk about other places in the country, there's a lot of renewed interest and understanding about the importance of the early years in terms of positive youth and family development going forward. Your ability to get it right and really support that family is the primary developer of the child. Really, when you look at cognitive, academic, health outcomes, we're getting better outcomes because of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really creating a mindfulness around the early years and continuing it when we talk about school districts through grade 12. Okay. Now, now specifically, what are the priority areas and associated activities? Um, Because it sounds like a lot. You know, there's a lot that we need to do, although it's probably at the same time very simple, you know, Mm -hmm. but... So exactly how do we prioritize that and what would those activities be? Well, I think some of the activities that um, we have been focusing on, because you're right, when we're talking about family engagement and really building those opportunities and supports for families, it's a big, big vision. And one of the things that we had to do through Family Support Long Island is we had to create some guiding questions and some focus areas that we feel we're starting to get lift on, and I'd like to share them with you if I could. Absolutely. Okay. So some of the guiding questions, because of our discussion and because the the issue is so broad, that we had to ask ourselves is, one, how do we collaborate with higher education to prepare professionals for this work of family engagement so that as people are going out, whether it's in education or public health, social work, um, how are they looking at families and communities from this vantage point? Two, how do we build competencies, practice, and collaborations that exemplify family support and family engagement? And three, how do we develop public policy that gives priority, support,
support and credibility to this way of working with families. And I just want to underscore something with those questions. We can talk about family support practice and principles of engagement, but unless we're able to simultaneously look to really get the ear and the voice and build the will with stakeholders, that work isn't going to be supported. So in terms of some of the questions, those are the three questions we had to ask. And in terms of some of the priority areas that we're working in, um, we are building competencies. We're working with school districts across Long Island through our collaboration with Nassau and Western Suffolk BOCES and the Child Care Council of Nassau to really bring school districts in and community-based agencies to talk about family support, to talk about family engagement strategies, to introduce the family support um, tool that we have so that staff can go back to their respective institutions and look at what and how they're engaging families and based upon this tool and evidence-based practice, look at ways and tangible strategies to deepen their work. We have built collaborations with a number of organizations across Long Island to create new opportunities to support families from a collaboration we're doing now with Herstory Writers Group and National Association of Mothers Centers and Every Child Matters where we're looking at um, sitting down with families and we're writing with them so that we can do some advocacy around family support and, and voice that families need to have to building collaborations around community health worker initiatives that will provide additional support and case management services to families with children. So we're really trying to work on building competencies and collaborations that are going to increase opportunity supports and resources for families. We're also on the cultural side, organizational culture side of things. We're rolling out that organizational reflection tool in different venues, and it's a really cool way of looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it. And as I mentioned earlier, it's wrapped around four standards that are not only um, part of the family support philosophy, but it's informed by evidence-based practice. And those standards are how uh, actually, Miss Miss actually, Miss Zimmerman, let's let's take a short break and get to the standards right after our short break. And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our ongoing discussion of the topic of family and community involvement with our expert guest, Ms. Angela Zimmerman. Uh, Angela, just before the break, you're about to share some standards with us. So uh, let's pick it up from there. Okay, Dr. Jefferson, um, one of the things we've been talking a lot about um, during the show is really creating an environment to receive and welcome families as part of the whole process of family support and family engagement. And I was mentioning that through Family Support Long Island and in collaboration with Western and Nassau Suffolk BOCES and the Child Care Council, we really wanted to create something tangible that organizations can use and um, through conversation, look at how they're working with families from a strengthening family's perspective, how they're embracing families from their context 
of diversity, how they're working with families to build community, and how families are imprinting what they do. And through this tool, um, we've rolled it out on Long Island, and through this tool, as an organization, you're able to look at yourself. You're, look, you're able to look at what you do well, and from an asset perspective, you're able to take what you do well to deepen your work in terms of strengthening families, embracing diversity, building community, and integrating family voice into what you do. Um, we've done this tool with Family Place Libraries. We've done this tool, um, we're using this tool in some work we're doing with pediatric residents. Um, we've, we're working with Uniondale School District. We're going to be actually working with this tool with some of the staff because it's a very practical way for an organization or an institution or an educational institution to look at their, what they're doing in terms of family and community engagement, how they're doing what they do, and ways in which they can tangibly deepen that specific tangible strategies to, to work with that. Excellent. Now, I know in uh, the school district where I work, there's a lot of positive things going on in different pockets. There's mm-hmm. not a, you know, every, it's like many different pockets with the same goal in mind, but it wasn't, it wasn't structured. There was no, there was no pre-meeting and people sitting down and saying, oh, this is what we're going to do in this building. This is what we're going to do in that building. There's just mm-hmm. pockets of good things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, uh, promote that? Promote what you're already doing in order to start bringing more people in to broaden, uh, those relationships? Mm-hmm. In the context of the school, I think part of it, and that, that's kind of one of the questions that we ask when we design the tool, because the tool gives you the opportunity to bring those pockets together. Because oftentimes when you have larger bureaucracies or institutions, you may have some brilliant things going on in one aspect in terms of family engagement, and on the other side of the district, they they may not know about it. So what this tool does is it allows a district to bring different folks together from different places and spaces to share their experiences, share some of their successes, and then use that collectively to deepen what they do. So part of it is crossing those lines because you, even in larger organizations, you know, when we field tested this tool, we had an organization that had 72 staff people, and of the 72, they brought a cross-section of 12 together, and they were able to implement the tool. And out of that, they were able to not only share some of the positive strategies that they were doing, was, but to create additional ones that they could collectively do. Okay. And, you know, for example, we, well, let me know if this is a, is a good example of, of, of bringing a good program in to help, you know, the, as we move forward in the future. We have a program, uh, in my school district where, um, it's for, you know, pregnant teens and the, the pregnant teens go to a, uh, a specific, specific location if they, at the point when they can no longer be in the school. Uh, for, mm-hmm. They're usually in a school most of the time. I, I would say, you know, six, seven months into the pregnancy. But mm-hmm. the, 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 they are given parenting instruction. Uh, mm-hmm. when, the chi- when their children are born, they are able to bring them to school and um, learn how to pretty much learn how to, to raise them. And they keep they, they literally take the kids all the way to just before pre-K. And mm-hmm. and now that we're adding pre-K as a mm-hmm. school district, um, mm-hmm. the the uh, administrator who was running the, the 
the teen pregnancy program is now being looked upon as the expert at helping us make that transition into pre-k like like what have you already done with these kids and how will that help us transition into pre-k would that be an example of a a a pre-existing positive program being used on a broader scale as you as you move forward absolutely absolutely and you know you bring up a really good point when you talk about school readiness your ability to create those linkages from early learning and education to UBK to kindergarten becomes really, really important. That's your foundation. And the school is a neighborhood anchor. And your ability to kind of coordinate and collaborate and connect is really, really powerful. So I think that's a really good example because oftentimes, you know, in our daily craze, you know, we're so busy doing what we feel we need to do, we don't come home to these kinds of conversations. And when you do, you're discovering magic that you didn't know existed. So sometimes, and that's why when we talk about family support, I love grounding it in asset-based community development because part of the foundation is looking at what you have, how you realign what you have working with families, and how do you take that collectively toward a broader vision. You know, and that's exactly what you're talking about. You have an experience base. How do you bring that experience base to the table, connect it with other experiences, and create, and I'm going to underline the word, tangible opportunities to actively engage families. And to actually, actively, you know, we talk about family support and family engagement. Part of our work is active skill building, like Harvard Center for Developing Child talks about. It's active skill building of families to be the primary developers of children. And to work, and, and when you picture, you know, the visual I always use in training is picture a tree, and the foliage of the tree are all those needs and strengths of families. The roots are those contributory things. The trunk are those institutions that are, are positioned to support families. Their job is not to dictate outcomes, but to ignite and help families identify what they have and work with them to create an agenda. That's what this is all about. And when you do that and you're supporting family assets, you're going to get better cognitive outcomes, you're going to get better academic outcomes, health outcomes, and reduce the need for more costly systems of care. Oh, I'm so glad you just you just made that statement. I had a guest on my uh, an earlier show, um, and she's an uh, an expert with she works with the Robin Hood Foundation. And she's very, very much involved in the research, uh, longitudinal research in the benefits of pre-K. Mm-hmm. And she said the fear that, when, one of the things she said, and I'm paraphrasing, is the fear that people have economically with regards to adding pre-K is so greatly offset by the benefits you'll get from pre-K. You'll have m- many fewer students needing special, um, special education services and, and such. Mm-hmm when you have a good pre-K program to the point where that's going to save you more money because yes, of adding the program than the money you would have lost if you didn't do the program. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just to cite, and, and I did not have an opportunity to get into this, but there's um, Harvard Center for Developing Ch- uh, Child has a number of studies that kind of show that Hackman talks about the economic implications of invest early investment, seven to ten dollars or seven to twelve dollars. 
And um, there are other studies. Search Institute uh, did a study of family assets that really kind of worked along these lines where they, they said that the more assets you're able to cultivate in families, the better outcome. And what they did was they correlated outcomes around academic performance and showed the more assets that you're able to mobilize in families, the better um, academic performance. Attendance works has done studies mm-hmm. around family engagement and the correlation in terms of attendance. And we've seen it, you know, and, and I think that the climate, you know, when you talk about a global world here, I think folks, the time for this work is now, as things are transforming in lots of new normals, our ability to engage families in very authentic and true ways as the primary developers of children is so important. You know, we have justice programs now that are getting the fact that if we can really get it right the early years and really carry that forward, then we're going to reduce crime. If we deal with kids that have early trauma, we're going to prevent more costly systems care. So there's definitely, you know, I always say altruistically, there's a really important benefit to investing in a continuous process of family engagement, zero to 12, zero mm-hmm. to 12. Absolutely. And you're going to get good outcomes. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's saving lives. It's producing productive citizens. It's allowing every child and every young person to be the best that they could be because it recognizes we all have gifts. Excellent. And, in fact, one of the things I, I, I share with people when we uh – debate how we should um, address um, the tens of thousands of students coming, uh, children, unaccompanied children coming across the border. I said we need to receive them well because of the fact that they're, they're, they're human, that's human capital. And right. we don't know which one of these children are going to come up with a cure for a form of cancer. You know, we, we have no idea, you know, so we really need to embrace them and give them as much support as we can because they may benefit the nation uh, as a whole or, or the world as a whole down the road in ways that we can't fathom. So uh, I think the fear of the cost now um, mm-hmm. makes people lose sight of the fact that they're an incredible resource that may bring a uh, tremendous gain in the, in the long term. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, there's been lots of studies done that talk about the not only the altruistic positive outcomes you're getting in terms of cultivating healthy families and healthy children through promoting everything from parent-child to UPK to school readiness to active family support, family engagement throughout the child's lifetime in school, but there's an economic value. You know, when you think about the notion of crossing over to public health, when you think about the notion of family-centered care, you know, a lot of family-centered care is not only about how you're engaging families in the agenda, in the healthcare agenda and promoting the healthy development of children, but it's how are you working with them so whatever the, whatever your focus is, whether it's education or health, you're really buying in for an investment of the family so that they're perpetuating that agenda between school, home, and community. Excellent. In fact, Ms. Simmer, we're going to take one last break. And afterwards, I want to just speak specifically about how civic groups and organizations dealing with adults and families can be supportive. So we'll be right back right after this.
You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show as we conclude our discussion on family and community involvement with our expert guest, Angela Zimmerman. Uh, Ms. Zimmerman, right before the break, I mentioned that I'd like to um, focus on what what does your organization do and what, what can be done with community groups and civic groups in, in dealing with the adults and families to help them uh, better support their children and their children's success in school? Well, you know, um, it's, it's, thank you for asking that question because it's about active skill, skill building of families and whatever constitutes family in that child's life and really working more intentionally with families to understand what they have to offer and how you cultivate that. You know, it's, it's about working with families and recognizing that families are the primary developers of children and how you can understand their passions, understand their competence, and figure out how you factor that into what you do. And so in terms of what adults can do, first of all, adults can listen more intently and authentically to what families want. You know, I in, in my work, it's one of the things that I, I live by. It's not necessarily offering families what you have. It's how you understand what they want and help create opportunities for that to happen. So it's active skill building. It's creating structures within organizations that allow family voice to imprint what you do and to help evaluate what you do. It's about understanding the things that families have to offer and how you create and build authentic relationships with them and how you create tangible opportunities to bring them together in community to learn about and explore ways in which they can further help support the development of that child and that young person in the context of school, health, whatever the domain. But really, active skill building. Active skill building. Now, I agree wholeheartedly. And... You know, I just keep, I just keep think, trying to think of, uh, examples from my experience or my observations on how uh, people have successfully gone into community. I know, for example, uh, American Red Cross, uh, they had a program where they would go to the churches or, uh, to get them involved with blood drives and mm-hmm. use that, and use that as a vehicle to try to, um, reach out and improve the amount of students taking swim lessons or mm-hmm. the amount of, uh, older children certified in CPR and first aid. And, um, that was an example of one community group or one organization, uh, American Red Cross reaching out to other civic groups to get to that community. And, uh, I see the same with, uh, um, these major, uh, food chains that have, mm-hmm. uh, nutritionists on staff and they send those those nutritionists out into community to show people how to shop better so that they can eat healthier and um you know as i'm speaking with you and i'm hearing uh what you're sharing it sounds like all of this is a part of building that community capacity um to strengthen families yes dr jefferson and i and i want you know there's there's a thousand examples i can give you that there's one initiative that I have a lot of respect for called the Parent Leadership Training uh, Initiative that is 
uh, part of a national um, model, but it's administered through the Child Care Council of Suffolk County. And more recently, we're going to be looking to, um, they're going to be looking to come and do a site in Nashua. But the thing that I really like about that is it works with parents or people that care about children to train them in terms of advocacy and how you navigate bureaucracy so that it allows them to be a a productive, visible voice in community. Because when we have people, parents, people that care about children, being a more productive, visible voice in community, that's where change happens. And that's where change is owned by a community as opposed to a bureaucracy imposing itself on a community. So there are lots of ways in which you can do that. We're working with the medical center right now, National University Medical Center. Um, they're looking at creating a welcome baby initiative that will create more of an authentic relationship to moms before they leave the hospital and possibly create peer support groups. So part of this, when you ask your question about what can adults do to support family engagement, is first recognize that families, parents, people that care about children have ideas, they have passion, they have interests that you need to listen to, understand, and integrate. And two, it's creating those opportunities for that to happen. In a school district, there are lots of opportunities for that to happen through a PTA, through site-based management, through creating listening tours with parents in the broader community, with superintendents or administrations, to how voice, uh, community and family voice, is integrated into your strategic planning, to those opportunities that you create for families to come together to share their experiences and competencies and strengths. So there's lots of ways in which it can be done once you have that foundation, the vision right, the team right, and you're able to communicate for the buy-in. And then the strategies are going to be nuanced to the community and the families. Wow. It it sounds like Families of Long Island um, really has a huge area in which it can be impactful. How large is the department uh, that you're working with? Well, you know, I say Family Support Long Island us because Family Support Long Island, I am the coordinator of it, but Family Support Long Island is a movement to build collaboration. So I'm the only one that's part of this initiative, but the work is completed through our extensive collaborations with many institutions and organizations and groups because the notion of Family Support Long Island is not doing for but making those connections, creating those bridges, igniting that will, and creating the opportunities for providers to come together to support families, for systems to and policies to receive families in a different way, and for public will to start building around the importance of why. You know, it's, it's, it's real easy to get lost in the daily operations of any institution. And one of the greatest things that we're trying to do is create a mindfulness around the importance of family support and why it's important to not only have this type of approach but create tangible opportunities and structures that are going to receive families so that they are an active and visible part of the agenda in planning it, in implementing it, and evaluating it. Wow. I think you have a hugely important uh, job. And um, 
you know, I wish you the greatest of success and I, I do hope that we get to engage more, especially since you are working in part with my school district. <laughs> um, we have been speaking with Angela M. Zimmerman, coordinator of the Family Support Long Island Initiative at Malloy College. Angela, how can listeners contact you if they want more information? Um, Dr. Justin, I, I'll give you my number, but I'd also like to read you a quote as, as we close. Absolutely. My, my phone number is 516-323-4723. I'd like to close when we're talking about family and connections and gifts and passions and interests and our ability to connect in real and meaning in authentic ways. I'd like to read you a definition of families that really resonates with me and hopefully you as well. About family, families define themselves. Families are big, small, extended, nuclear, multi-generational, with one parent, two parents, and grandparents. We live under one roof or many. A family can be as temporary as a few weeks or as permanent as forever. We become part of a family by birth, adoption, marriage, or from a desire for mutual support. As family members, we nurture, protect, and influence each other. Families are dynamic in our cultures unto themselves with different values and unique ways of realizing their dreams. Together, our families become the source of rich cultural heritage and spiritual diversity. Each family, each family has strengths and qualities that flow from individual members and from the family as a unit. Our families create neighborhoods, communities, states, and nations truly Family is the first community in a child's life. And that definition is adopted by the New Mexico uh, Legislature for Young Children's Continuum and the Coalition for Children. And I really wanted to leave you because as we're talking about family, I think it's important to understand the whole dimension of family and what that means to individuals going forward. Absolutely. We've run out of time, but that was an excellent way to end. Angela, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next time as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.